0: What's up, all you cool cats and kittens?
1: Oh gosh, you actually just said that. I
0: wanted to start a lecture like that. <laughs> I,
1: I could tell when we started it, you were like, I already know where I'm going with this. You you didn't even hesitate to jump into that.
0: I couldn't do it on like the actual lectures that we record, but I feel like these podcast lectures,
1: well, yeah, it's more appropriate. where you get to <laughs> say some fun stuff, you know. That is your catchphrase now, though. You have to say it every time. Okay. All right.
0: What are we talking about today?
1: So we're talking about asthma. 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 Um, primarily, don't intubate them. Why well,
0: you don't want to intubate them? Yeah,
1: which is kind of unnatural because respiratory, if they're not doing well, we
0: immediately think yeah, like let's breathe for them. Yeah, ah, fix everything. Just
1: two of them, they'll be fine for a while.
0: Problem solved.
1: Yeah, asthma. We really don't want to do that with.
0: Um, I don't think I have personally ever had to intubate an asthmatic. Have you?
1: So, no, I, I think that's part of what, like, we kind of are going to touch on here is what do you do to avoid having mm. to intubate them? Um, a lot of people, and I just said, um we said we weren't going to okay. do that. That's
0: okay. That's all right. Um, Strike one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm going to do it a bunch. <laughs> a lot of people are kind of scared to get super aggressive with asthmatics. Mm-hmm. And I think that that getting really aggressive with them is how you avoid even having to have that, that thought of am I going to intubate yes. them or not. So why do we not want to intubate them, Debbie?
0: We don't. Well, there are lots of reasons, but there really is no black or white answer as to at what point you should intubate, because, I mean, obviously every patient is very, very different, but um, in your opinion, what do you think are some reasons that you would make the decision to intubate?
1: So why would I intubate them? Um, I would be using, like, like all of my assessment techniques, Mm -hmm. and, and obviously that's kind of the the, you know, cheating answer. Mm-hmm. But lung sounds, one of the things that, that we kind of hammer home in our, our medic classes is, is the silent chest. Mm. It's, a, it's a really unnatural thing that when you're actually starting to fix an asthmatic, you start to actually hear those, those bad mm-hmm. lung sounds, which is good because we're getting air moving. So that's one of my things, when I start to just get to the point that I'm like there's no air moving, um, end title is one of my, my favorite tools in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is obviously a bronchoconstrictive process so we're mm-hmm. going to be withholding a large amount of, of CO too. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I start to see that like start to really get up there with numbers, mm-hmm. nothing I'm doing is starting to lower those numbers, mm-hmm. that's going to be a big time that I move um, in conjunction with pulse oximetry with a really good waveform. Mm-hmm. Um, when I start to see that, you know, get into those really hypoxic levels, and again, nothing I'm doing is changing that, mm-hmm. then that's going to kind of be my last resort. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I kind of can't emphasize enough, at least in, in my thought process, when I start to see those those numbers go to the ranges I don't like, I'm going to get really aggressive with my treatments first. Mm-hmm. And when I, I'm not effectively changing those to better my patient is, is kind of where I'm going to start to say, okay, I, I have to do this now. What's your feel take like, on it? I
0: feel like respiratory failure. Like, it, I'm sometimes you'll be more apt to intubate sooner rather than later. But in this mm. case, I'm going to try and wait as long as I can.
1: I, I agree. And yeah. I mean, around
0: here, we're pretty spoiled mm. in that our transport times are relatively short. Yeah. So we usually won't get to this point. Um, and if... Oh, I just said, um, too. It's Hang contagious. In. But if you have like other tools like your medications and CPAP and stuff like that mm. i feel like we can usually stave off intubation for a little bit
1: absolutely and, and i think that's a really good point right like respiratory failure um with a CHF or I think I'm a lot more Mm kind of quick on the draw to be like, hey, I got to do this or some other type of of respiratory etiology. But with these bronchoconstrictive type processes, like you said, it's kind of my last resort. I Mm -hmm. want to exhaust every other avenue first.
0: So at the end of the day, Mm. a tube between the cords... And mm-hmm. positive pressure is not going to fix asthma.
1: No, because we still have bronchoconstriction. Yes. Now, now the one thing it may help me with is putting that nebulizer deeper down into where Maybe. it can work. But we still have to be somewhat open to get get even yeah. that to flow in there. And
0: I think that's a big limitation with mm-hmm. like the albuterols and ipratropiums that we have, because mm-hmm. like you're saying, the silent chest—if there's no air moving. Mm-hmm. What's the point of having an inhaled medication?
1: Well, and I think that's a really good point. Kind of, kind of taking that step further. We're we're always taught like, ah, oh, asthmatic, just keep nebbing, nebbing, right. nebbing. You know, hammer it home. And yes, that's not a bad idea. But if you're not moving air, you're not getting that med to where right. it works. So think that step further and think about what interventions do we have yes. to open them up enough to start to get those meds in
0: there. Mm-hmm. So the best way at the end of the day is aggressive pharmacology. Yes for these severe, severe asthmatics. So mm-hmm. your epi's, epi, mag, mag, steroids, getting steroids on early, yep. things like that.
1: Especially because steroids we know take a little bit of time, yeah. but they do work very effectively. Yeah. Now, now, I kind of have my, my own opinion of it that I'm happy to share in a second, mm-hmm. but what's your thought on epi versus mag? Use them together, which one comes first, kind of, wh- where? where's your thought process?
0: I would say epi first because it is going to, I feel like it has better effects, Mm. Um, and it's also an IM injection versus mag, which you have to put into a bag and drip in and figure out your drops per minute, yeah, so hit them with the epi first, Mm. then assuming like their pressure is fine and everything like that, then you can fumble with the mag and get that going over time.
1: Cool, so so we actually have pretty much the same Mm -hmm. thought process on that. Yeah, epi's quick, it's life-saving, I love hitting severe asthmatics with epi kind of staves off for a little bit mm-hmm. and then I can kind of fiddle around with the with the mag and get mm-hmm. it going so so we definitely have the same same kind of mindset on mm-hmm. on that order
0: And then maybe like if you have some like another set of hands you can have them get the steroids on board or something like that maybe start mm-hmm. a nebulizer treatment even if, they're not moving a whole lot in the bases. You yeah, can still get it going, and then as the Epi and Mag and all those things work, it can kind of open it begin up, to start seep to dry again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So the problem with asthma, the pathophysiology, is air trapping and exhalation. Mm-hmm. Right. We cannot exhale. Yeah. We can with intubation we can force air in yes. with positive pressure. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for these patients to exhale. Yes. So you get that air trapping with the bronchoconstriction. So if we add positive pressure on top of that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just going to increase the interthoracic pressure. Yep. Eventually, you could cause a pneumo, mm-hmm. and then those two things together could lead to obstructive shock. And then on top of the respiratory distress, mm-hmm. probably hypoxia, hypoxemia, then you also have... The shock factor too. Yeah,
1: them. well, and, and that's one of the things that that I want to just touch on super quick because mm-hmm. you know it's kind of my thing, like the acid base balance yes, or whatever <laughs> reason I don't know why, and that's a separate podcast. But but don't forget with these patients withholding so much CO two that that is by its its nature creating a respiratory acidosis. Mm-hmm. So obviously we want to look for signs of, of no impending respiratory failure, but if you have a tachypneic asthmatic patient and they're otherwise maintaining, support them with oxygen, of course, mm-hmm. try and make it a bit easier for them, keep those nebs going to keep opening it up, mm-hmm. all of these other treatments we were talking about, but just because your patient is tachypneic but starting to improve is not the time to intubate. That's a compensatory mechanism, mm-hmm. and if you intubate these patients and put them down to kind of what, what we identify as a, a normal respiratory. Rate for an intubated patient, you know, six breaths a minute, mm-hmm. give or take. Then you're gonna take a away that. Every co- six seconds. Yeah, I'm sorry, t- ten a minute. You, you, you knew where I was going with that. There's not enough coffee yet today. <laughs> But if you take away that compensatory mechanism, Mm -hmm. then you're just going to hold this respiratory acidosis and you're going to eventually end up dropping that patient's pH, which is now going to get us these, you know, really bad systemic issues Mm -hmm. that, you know, really do kind of lead to more incidences of morbidity. Mm -hmm. So, so if they're tachypnec, let it ride for a Mm -hmm. bit, keep treating them, but hold off on the two.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's not even so much the respiratory rate that is the problem. And me and Lexi actually were just talking about this, but it's the fact that despite how often or how infrequently they are breathing, the air, it's just not able to effectively reach and leave the tissues. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's how you're getting the hypoxia. So, like, yes, the increased respiratory rate is compensatory for all of those things, but at the same time, it's really not – Doing what it's supposed to do because there is just no ventilation, so, so are you no external getting respiration.
1: VQ mismatch? Ooh. I love that term. Love that term, VQ mismatch. You're more
0: familiar with that term than I am. Oh, I, I, heard, I don't know like, if that's I, true. I wouldn't really be able to explain it past what I just said. No.
1: Okay, so this is not a prepared answer because I just pulled this term <laughs> out. So, excuse me if this is a little. Little not the best way to explain it, but BQ mismatch is essentially, so So we look at, um, we ha- we have different parts of breathing, right? We have the actual ventilation of, of air just coming in and out of our lungs. Mm-hmm. And then we have the actual gas exchange, you know, at the alveolar level mm-hmm. that, you know, brings oxygen onto our hemoglobin into our systemic circulation, takes off the CO2 and waste products, and exhales it. So VQ mismatch, is essentially just looking at it at its simplest of forms for this, you know, discussion, is it's when one of those doesn't match up. Um, for instance, talking about in asthma, we're not getting air in. So that's the VQ mismatch problem. We're still getting circulation <laughs> Confusion around. Is okay. Correct, we're still getting the CO2 coming back in the lungs and wanting to leave, mm-hmm. but the ventilation is not matching that. Mm-hmm. So we have an imbalance in there. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of like, just for an example while we're talking about it, the other time we really think about um, VQ mismatch, kind of just in its simplest form, would be like a cardiac arrest. We've intubated, mm-hmm. ventilation's fine, we're breathing for him, we're getting the air in and out of the lungs, mm-hmm. but we're not getting the circulation, you know, effectively. So we're not getting that oxygen to go to the cells, have that cellular respiration, take mm-hmm. back the CO2 and exhale it. CPR, you know, helps us to to an extent, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's not the same as a, a heart beating mm-hmm. independently and in doing that. So that's just a very simple overview of VQ mismatch. That was a, no,
0: that was great. Mm-hmm.
1: That we that we could do a whole podcast it. on VQ okay. mismatch. Okay. Put I it mean on it's on the a list. whole thing, you know, and um, what is it the oxyhemoglobin disassociation <laughs> curve? Disassociation I mean that's curve. a that's a whole whole thing, but I know
0: a little bit about that.
1: I know very little about that, but <laughs> we could learn more we for a podcast. Combine our powers. <laughs> <laughs> put it together.
0: Okay. What were we just talking about? VQ mismatch. CPAP.
1: CPAP. For asthma. Yeah, we were talking about yes. um, um, being cautious of that, that intrathoracic pressure.
0: Yes. And the action that we're, we want with CPAP for asthma is the stenting open of the airways. Yes. To promote the, ex, the, or the airflow out of the lungs.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, really, the, the mechanism we're kind of talking about, there's PEEP. Yeah. Like CPAP obviously maintains the PEEP, Um, and and, and so I just kind of vaguely remember reading this, but it would be really interesting at some point to see if we get BiPAP pre-hospital, because my understanding is that BiPAP is better for asthma, and this is just random Mm -hmm. segue, but because it has that differing inhalation and exhalation pressure, so my understanding is that that lowers the risk of that that pneumo because yeah. we're not just keeping it at this consistent pressure yeah. we're kind of kind of tailoring it to yeah. what we need to
0: which is something that is not generally a pre-hospital thing because no. you need a ventilator Correct. to do that but wherever yeah. these maybe little noodles may them. be practicing maybe
1: we end up getting vents soon Who oh, knows?
0: i think there is like a commercial um, BiPAP for EMS so that only requires one oxygen source. Really? Charlie was looking. It's like this one company that makes it. No and kidding. they were like, I think they were looking to, to do a study, but it was like an insane conflict of interest because it's literally the only one on the market yeah, or something. I, so you're doing a study
1: to see if you buy their product. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. yes. But cool.
0: that's the extent of what I know. Yeah, it would be cool.
1: No, I mean, that's that's... Uh, kind of cool point I just want to touch on real quick mm-hmm. too is if you end up having to bag mm-hmm. or tube these patients because of respiratory failure, mm-hmm. peep valves on BVMs <gasps> with entidal, or, or I'm sorry, with endotracheal tubes or just with the mask is so underutilized. Use a in everything
0: that we whenever we whenever we bag somebody we should be putting a peep valve on. on. Yeah,
1: unless you're bagging a traumatic pneumo, put a peep valve (laughs) on. Like that's the one time maybe don't do that, but like otherwise do it. That
0: is yeah. I I didn't even write that
1: down.
0: Mm. Um, and there really isn't like a whole lot of evidence out there to support CPAP and asthma. Like you were saying before, it's you like we're more apt to use it for ACHF or pulmonary edema or something like that. Absolutely. I've also heard of patients who their as their severe asthma attacks are only relieved by like CPAP or CPAP yeah. in conjunction with nebulizers mm-hmm. through the CPAP circuit. Yeah. So I guess that's just patient dependent.
1: But. Absolutely, and, and I think what you just said was a really good point too. Um, I remember precepting a medic student a couple of years ago who wanted to just put CPAP on an asthmatic because we were, and, and I mean, I I think it weren't the patient warranted CPAP but they didn't want to do a a nebulizer Mm -hmm. through it because they said, well, we tried a couple and it didn't work. If you're at the point of CPAPing an asthmatic and you don't have some other contraindication, Mm -hmm. of course, put the nebulizer on with it. You're you're using that increased pressure Mm -hmm. to attempt to push the meds in further, right? Like that's why we're keeping it Mm -hmm. open, trying to open it up to allow those meds to get where they work. Mm -hmm. Keep the meds going as Mm -hmm. long as you don't have some other contraindication.
0: The, and, like the Epi and the Mag and all those other mm-hmm. medications too in conjunction with it. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: absolutely. And that's what I, I don't know why so many providers seem like really trigger shy with Epi. Mm. Like p- people seem to think it's like super harmful side We're effect. we only giving it
0: zero point three milligrams. Yeah, it's, it's fine. And I mean, I, obviously okay.
1: monitor your patient as you should yes. be. Watch their heart rate. You mm-hmm. know, make sure they don't develop chest pain or mm-hmm. something. But, but. Yeah, I've never. I mean, I think I've given three, four doses of that on, yeah. on bad respiratory patients yeah. with no, no kind of mm-hmm. bad complications, mm-hmm. no side effects.
0: And if it's like a younger person too, with less oh, yeah. or no comorbidities, they can handle plenty of Epi. Yeah, uh, they'll Which
1: be really, they'll gonna, be fine it's for a while. Be okay, that's our no, new catchphrase. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. I like <laughs> it. We'll get T-shirts made. You guys can order them.
0: So, if you have to intubate, mm. if none of these things have worked, they're still decompensating, mm-hmm. and you are worried that they're going to completely stop breathing. Yeah,
1: drive faster.
0: Drive faster. But also, when you intubate, you want to reduce the rate that you are delivering your breaths at to mm-hmm. allow for a longer expiratory phase. Because we're <laughs> forcing air in. Yes. But the patient's lungs cannot. Forcefully push air out. Correct. So if you reduce the rate that you are bagging mm-hmm. at, you are allowing for that increased time mm-hmm. to let the air out, which is what they need.
1: And and like that, that's absolutely the concept. One of the things we should uh, definitely be looking at to target that is end title. Mm. Watch their end title. We want it to, at, at a minimum, be sustaining. We mm-hmm. don't want it to be rising, but you really want it to hopefully be going down because that's going to show that you're you're obviously letting it out of the lungs yeah, yeah. so so keep an eye on that and kind of kind of target that mm-hmm. if you see that you're not really making a difference maybe you want to allow those uh expiratory periods to be a be a tad bit longer to mm-hmm. to hopefully get some better gas exchange mm-hmm. meet your vq mismatch Ooh.
0: Ooh. we should do a vq mismatch
1: we can do one we can absolutely head. do one cool. i would mm-hmm. love that
0: I'm going to be more of a learner on that one, but I oh, will, me too. I'll be present.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to have to do my learning before talking about it, but yeah, I'm in. So what else we got for asthma? I
0: think that was kind of it that we yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Was
1: there
0: anything else that
1: you wanted to add? Uh, I think just going along with if you're going to tube them, mm-hmm. I think the same conversation is put put your neb on your CPAP. We can neb through an endotracheal tube.
0: Also true.
1: A, a lot of people kind of forget that. Like yeah. They just go, well, I'm... I'm, I'm I tubed them I'm just breathing yeah. for him. now give them a neb through the tube mm-hmm. like it's, it's gonna help them out. Mm-hmm. And even if you intubate them, keep doing your pharmacological mm-hmm. stuff. You can do mm-hmm. Mac, you can do epi like that's that's yeah. okay. You can do that. Um, and just don't don't be afraid to be aggressive. Even yeah. if you're like maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit on the epi, do it. you're mm-hmm. fine. Like, it's you're better to have a patient whose heart rate Went up a little bit from Epi, yeah. but they can effectively breathe. Then if someone you fix who, the
0: respiratory problem, then it's probably it, not going to f- affect their heart rate that
1: much. Yeah, it'll balance out. Yeah. As opposed to somebody that you're like, oh, now I got to tube them because I was a little, little shy on yeah. that Epi. Hey, you got anything else?
0: Uh, I don't think so. All right. How long was this one?
1: Uh, we are at just about to cross into 19 minutes. Wow. That was pretty good. We did pretty good on this short one. Short and sweet? Mm-hmm. Very short and sweet.
0: Very nice.
1: We used the term VQ mismatch. And we
0: only said the word um a couple times. Yeah, only
1: a few. <laughs> only a few. I said like a few times. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I, and every time I was like, oh, I said it like. <laughs> um, but yeah. So cool. guys, thank you for listening.
0: Talk to you next time. Cool cats and kittens. <laughs> Woo!